Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, fresh off of a win against the Ottawa Senators, the Sabres are 1-1-1 in their last three games, notably two unfortunate losses against the Red Wings preceding their win against Ottawa. Some bright spots, some nights not so bright spots. The biggest story I would say coming out of these past three games, though, has got to be the play of Michael Hauser securing the win against the Ottawa Senators. And he now officially has as many wins this season as Aaron Dell has. Unbelievable performance from him. I mean, he played great. Not just that the team in front of him played really well and gave him a lot of support. Like he made some really big saves for them when they needed it. And it's something that they haven't really gotten over this past stretch of games since UPL has really cooled off. So just getting into that and starting off with Hauser first, what were some of your takeaways from his performance and then any other takeaways that you might've had over the past few games? So Hauser having 43 saves on 44 shots is incredible. I mean, we went over this last year. It doesn't feel like that long ago. It was only about nine months ago, maybe, maybe eight, maybe even just like eight months ago, whenever it was near the end of last season, he had to play a few games because of all the injuries, not unlike now. And he was like stunningly, competent we went over the fact that he hasn't really even been an ahl goalie of late prior to last year he was mostly in the echl for years and it wasn't even a particularly great echl goalie and he's up there in age he's not a young man and then he comes and he gets two wins last year i believe either one or both were against the penguins and it was kind of like you know oh my god like what a story and then this year it seems like he's going to be the backup in the ahl well guess what pal He's starting games in the NHL. Get your ass back up here. Yeah. 43 saves on 44 shots. Like I said, the Sabres went up relatively early in the game on a Cousins goal, and then Ottawa tied it. And then after the Sabres took a 2-1 lead, Ottawa kind of uh, started to put the pressure on. So a lot of those are low percentage shots. I think the Sabres did a good job of kind of uh, parking the bus and then obviously get a late empty net goal from Tuck. That kind of leads me into the fact that Alex Tuck, seven points in seven games as a Sabre, and he looks really solid. What have you thought? 
Same. I mean, we had talked about just his style of play, I think is something that the team was really lacking, you know, that just pure power forward type where he's, I mean, he's responsible in his, in his own end, but really what it comes down to is his playing the offensive zone and that he's a guy that he wins battles. He's a good skater. He has a great shot and he has good vision on the ice too. Like he's, I, I think one of the things that I've noticed about him and it's led to a couple of goals, but even in situations where it hasn't led to guys finishing, there's been numerous occasions where and it's something I'm going to keep looking out for with him, where it's not only that he'll win a battle along the wall in the offensive zone, but he'll then very quickly find an open man to continue to play, continue a play and keep the puck alive and, and keep the play going in the offensive zone. And I think that that's been just remarkable. You know, when you when you look at him, too, and just his overall outlook, I mean, when we acquired him. I remember I, we talked about it a little bit for what we expected production wise from him, but in a best case scenario, we had said that, you know, may, maybe his, his peak with us is a 70 point top six winger. And right now, I mean, it's a small sample size. We're looking at, you know, seven points in seven games, one of which was an empty net goal, as we know, but he's playing at a point per game pace right now. And we'll see how the rest of the season goes. I mean, there's a lot of games left to go. And so we'll see what kind of pace he's going to be able to keep playing at. But, you know, he's just one of those guys that if he ends up being a 70 point guy for you, I mean, you can't ask for much more out of that Eichel trade, you know, because also you'll have Krebs, you'll have another first round pick in the mix too. So really pleased with how he's played so far. And, you know, I think that he's the kind of guy that even if, and this kind of goes back to my point about just him winning battles and just his, his pure abilities that he has and his strengths, he, he's the kind of guy that even if he doesn't show up on the score sheet during a game, there's still going to be five or six plays where you're watching him on the ice and you're like, Holy crap. Like that was incredible. Like that was a great play. And it's not always the flashy play either. It's just subtle plays that kind of, you know, make you raise your eyebrows a little bit because you're like, wow, that was just a really nice competent play. And granted, you know, I think we all can agree that that's something that the Sabres haven't necessarily had a whole lot of over the past 10 years, but I mean, I've been so pleased with him. And, and I think that the future is only going to get brighter for him, especially as, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, the line with him, Tage and Skinner has been generating chances. I mean, Skinner has been great lately. He's on pace now. He's back up for uh, a 30 cold pace, which I think, again, is beyond our, our wildest dreams coming into the season and looking at how last season went. But, but back to Tuck, though, I mean, I think the thing is, is whether it's Tage whether it's, you know, with if Cousins ends up, you know, being ready to take that step and, and they end up getting paired together. I don't know if they necessarily will because their play styles are a little bit similar. Um, if it's Casey Middlestat when he comes back or if it's a high draft pick in one of the next two drafts, I'm very, very curious for who is going to end up ultimately being this guy's center for the long term. Like, you know, and I guess that just speaks to the broader question of who the Sabres, you know, either fir first or second line center is going to be five years from now three, not even five, like, you know, we'll say like two or three years from now at this point. Um, but I think that, you know, things can only get better if he's playing at a point per game pace right now. I know sample size, I get it. But if he's at a point per game pace now with this team, with just the depth on the roster and he's getting tough matchups and is still producing like this and still producing beyond just showing up on the score sheet, you, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled with his play so far. What would have been your takeaways? So, yeah, he's the kind of guy the Sabres need. It's the kind of guy that good teams need. And the Sabres haven't had many of these kind of guys. It's a guy that's fairly paid, 
and he can bounce anywhere between your first and your third lines. I mean, obviously in the Sabres, he's going to be the first line the way things are going right now. But in the future, I mean, on, on a good team, he can he can play the penalty kill. He won't embarrass himself on the power play. Maybe uh, be a, a 50 to 60 point score. That would be nice, especially with the number of minutes he's getting now. And he can play with any kind of guy and he's good in his own zone. So I really like him. You could say that I have quite a few compliments for him. Plus, he's a local-ish guy, which is nice. And you mentioned Skinner there. So Skinner, like you said, he's he's uh, back on a 30-goal pace. And he's doing it without crazy shooting percentage. He's at 12.3%. That's not that much higher than his career average of 107 And he's on pace to take 250-plus shots this year again, which is good. He wasn't really taking enough shots these past couple of years. He wasn't getting his opportunities. And now he is, and he's converting at a decent clip. So 30 goal season be real nice from him. Uh, so unfortunately there was bad news too. On Monday afternoon, they played a matinee day, uh, game for Martin Luther King day and they blew a two nothing lead late to Detroit up to that point. It had been a pretty good game, both from Dell and from the team overall. And Larkin kind of, uh, he scored both the tying and winning goals, but they, they obviously, after they went up two nothing, they had also had a, a goal disallowed. The second goal was allowed and they give up a goal and then Larkin scores the tie and then they get dominated in overtime. I don't think they had the puck in Detroit zone at all over the course of about two and a half minutes and Larkin scored Detroit wins uh, third time. They've beat us in overtime this year, fourth time they've beaten the Sabres overall. Not great. I mean, people talked about that being the difference in the standings which is true, but if they're just dominating you at overtime the way they have been, I think that's a little bit of a weakness on the Sabres part, more so than randomness. Overtime feels random, and it, a lot of times is, but the Sabres are not good at it. Context. Yeah, yeah, it's not like the Sabres just went one and six by accident. Uh, they miss a certain guy who used to be good at overtime. Never heard of him. I don't remember his name. No. Anyway... Uh, so that's that's something. But let's get back yeah, to the positive I mean, news. Well, I was just going to say, just to speak on that, too, I think that that's something that is a little bit puzzling because you would think with just the style that Granado is trying to instill in these guys that they, that, that would be more conducive to overtime. And I think also, I mean, let's be real here, uh, just to respond to a couple of your points. For one, as we talked about on our last episode, this isn't the same Detroit team that's we that we've been going up against for the past three, four years where they've just been an embarrassment. Like Lucas Raymond and Maurice Sider have been unbelievable in their rookie season. They made a major upgrade in goal, even though Jonathan Bernier was putting up okay numbers for them last year. The fact that they were able to bring in um, Najelkovic and just, you know, not only just getting like a quality goalie, but a quality young goalie too, that's going to be able to conceivably, you know, be on their roster for the next handful of years. I mean, we'll see, you know, if he ends up emerging and is able to solidify a starting role there, you know, or if they look elsewhere as they continue to get better and improve, but this is, this is a Detroit team that's better than what we've had. They've been, they're right around, I think now they're a little bit above 500 here. So like, it's a far cry from last place Detroit and, you know, perennial top five pick Detroit that we've been getting those past few years. Um, but yeah, but again, back to that point. I mean, it feels that way even like in the third periods, though, sometimes too, where they're taking their foot off the brakes. And that's just, you can't do that. You can't, like, I don't care how bad the goaltending is. I don't care about the lack of depth. But what is the thing that is putting you in the lead in the first place? What is the, what is the thing that is allowing you to 
like play be- I mean, it sounds bad, but like play better than the other team. It's when you're playing that aggressive attacking style. And so when you get into the third period, just because you have a lead, don't go down looking, go down swinging, like keep trying to play that, like live and die by that. Don't adjust something that's working because of conventional wisdom or whatever you want to call it. You know, and I think that that's something that Granada will definitely learn over time. And I think also it's something that will probably evolve as the team gets better. But that's just, I'm, before we move on though, I am curious about your thoughts on that. Like, have you noticed that too, that it feels like it's, it's that going back to that analogy, like they're going down swinging rather than swinging or going down looking rather than swinging. Yes. And that's been to some varying success. I think against Nashville, they did a really good job of it, uh, but they had very much did not against Detroit. I think hockey teams in general, just when they go up two goals, they get so passive and I, I don't love it obviously. And I, I do, I want them to be more aggressive even when they have the lead, especially this year. Like you lose, you lose this year, man, who cares? Like you're not, you're not going to make the playoffs. Obviously you have less than a 1% chance right now. And you're not going to finish last in all likelihood either uh, because of Arizona and Montreal's ineptitude. So just do what you're going to do. You're going to finish bottom five. You're going to hit a decent pick. So try to, uh, you know, be aggressive, be aggressive. It's agreed. It's this, uh, this fan base has not seen a lot of goals and a lot of goal scoring in the past decade. Be nice to start seeing that again. I will say just to that point too, and not to get too off topic, I don't mean in like a real competitive sense, but I do think at some point Montreal is going to be able to turn it around because if price ends up coming back, that is going to be huge. It remains to be seen whether they're going to just shut him down for the year or not, but it feels like he's going to come back and wants to come back. But beyond that, you're getting, uh, they just got Tyler to back who had a great game for them last night. I think he put up a goal and an assist and he generally speaking has been a little bit down this year. Suzuki is starting to pick it up a little. And I know he missed some time. Same thing with like Jonathan Druin, Brendan Gallagher, who's a, who's a mainstay in their top six has also been out, but he'll be coming back soon. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. I, I would, I'll put it this way. I would not be surprised if the Sabres finished below them in the standings by the end of the year. Wow. So that's possible based on those guys coming back. I will say, I don't know how much Carey Price changes things. Not just the fact that he's coming off, not playing for so long and being injured, but also like he was terrible in the regular season, like the last two years, like he, him leading Montreal to the cup when he did last year feels completely random, except for the fact that he was also good in the 2020 bubble. The last two regular seasons, he has been a straight up bad goalie. Like he had to play in the AHL a little bit and he was not doing well in the AHL at the beginning of the end of this year. It was an injury assignment, but still. But what I will say to that though is he, of course, I mean, he, he wasn't out this long into the season because of like injury concerns, like how it's been in the past, you know, and we've seen, and not that I'm trying to draw a parallel because we don't know the full details of what's going on with price. But like, if you look at a guy like Robin Leonard, like Carey price is taking the time. Cause it was stuff that was, I believe mental health related. And so if that was something that for a couple of years has been really affecting him. And then maybe it's just like the hype of the postseason or the bubble or whatever really kind of brought out like the better in him. Who knows if he comes back and he's feeling right. He could, I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to go back to like early 2010s carry price or anything like that, because those days are obviously behind him. But as you alluded to before, we've seen him in recent history play pretty damn good hockey for them. So 
I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm just curious. I think that knowing what we know now and the fact that he's clearly had some stuff going on because you don't, you don't take this time off and you don't take an indefinite leave of absence from the team just because of something small or something that's like a new thing. Like this could very well be something that has been, he's been having to deal with for years now. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see whether or not that is the case. And if he comes back and he's looking revitalized, I mean, there's no way, like I said, there's no way that they're going to be like legitimately competitive or anything like that, because it's at this point, they're at the point of no return now, but I think they start racking up points a little bit and maybe you end up seeing them down the stretch as a 500 team as compared to like a pitiful bottom dweller. Like they get back to 500 or they play 500. They play 500 hockey. Not they get back to, Uh, no, 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 no. They play 500 hockey. Like the rest of the way, like if they get him back, they get Gallagher back to fully stays consistent, you know? And then that way, if that's the case, I mean, do you bringing it back to the Sabres? Do you think the Sabres are going to play 500 hockey the rest of the year? No, but how far back is Montreal, the Sabres? Like, good question. Let me, you, it's not that far back. Okay. So while Brent is looking that up, I want to give our, uh, our regular Devin Levi update from Northeastern University. Devin Levi had another strong week. He's now 16, 5 and 1 with a 9.55 save percentage. And he had his ninth shutout in his 22nd start. So he is uh, averaging uh, shutouts in 40% of his starts. That dude, I guess he's getting shutouts. He's not average. But yeah, anyway. Kevin better have that contract ready at the conclusion of his season. That dude That's right. needs to be in Rochester. One million percent. Get him signed. Give Portillo another year to cook. As long as you get this guy signed, I'm good. Like, that's fine. Back to yeah. our point, though. Montreal has, is uh, 10 points behind the Sabres right now with one last game played. So they have 21 points in 38 games, while the Sabres have 31 points in 39 games. So... Again, I mean, if you adjust that, and like I said, if they end up playing like 500 hockey the rest of the way, it's only 10 points. That's a five-game swing. I mean, and they, and in reality, you take that out of the, the game in hand that they have out of the equation, you could be looking at a potential eight-point swing that's only needed. And as we've seen from the Sabres, when they fall, they fall hard. Very, yeah, very it's definitely hard. possible. I mean, they're in the midst of that still right now. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, so the Sabres, uh, the NHL in general, announced all the rescheduled games uh, that are t- mostly going to take place during the what would have been the Olympic break. There are uh, quite a few uh, from across yeah. the league, and the Sabres have uh, seven, And but they aren't all games that were canceled. Uh, some of these games are coming from April to February. I assume to make the end of the season no longer as clogged, but if anyone's curious, the changes are February 10th, they're going to take on Columbus. February 13th, they will take on Montreal. February 15th, they will, sorry, they'll be in Montreal. It wasn't clear on February 13th. They will host the Islanders February 15th, host Ottawa the 17th, host Colorado the 19th. This just tells me there was not much scheduled for Key Bank Center during the Olympics. Uh, they will go to Columbus on February 20th, and they will go to Montreal again on February 23rd. So, not much to that. Uh, 6 p.m. start in Columbus. That's interesting. 1 p.m. Colorado game on February 19th. Interesting. That could be a potential uh, game for us to go to. Colorado, the yes. the highest scoring team right now that the NHL has seen in almost 20 years. 
Yes. I so maybe more very, than 20 years. I'm very into that idea. And I'm very happy to hear that about Colorado as a Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Cal McCarr fantasy owner. Ah, yes. You're still in the, listen, man, we should talk about our fantasy league a little bit because we have some of our pals on in this TJ Luckman, Andy Meyer, um, you know, my buddy Silks, who's a big Islanders fan, who I think I've talked about a few times. Taylor, you're you're right there in the for that last playoff spot. I made some moves this week. You did. I had to say goodbye to Victor Olofsson um, because he doesn't score anymore and he doesn't do anything else either. So that's tough to have him as a fantasy owner. R.I.P. You also yeah. you got Taylor Hall recently too. Yeah, he sucks at fantasy even, hockey. I can't believe you even picked him up. I, well, he pickable. I picked. I had him so late in the draft. I was like, Taylor Hall must be an okay fantasy guy. He's not. No, not even well, just last year's a saber, but so man, he just doesn't league, do anything. The thing with our league too, for those listening, that's interesting. That's different than traditional fantasy hockey is that centers are like a premium in the league because we do 0.25 points for every faceoff win. So a perfect example of this is like Michael McLeod from the devils. He is their fourth line center and probably gets about like, 14, 15 minutes a night, maybe on a good night. And this dude averages like 3.5 points per game, like points per night in fantasy solely because of how of the amount of faceoffs that he wins and, and in general takes. I mean, it's just a numbers game at that point. But like, that's why, I mean, like last year when Jordan Stahl was going off, I had him on my team and it was amazing because he was not only putting up points, but he was also winning like, eight face-offs a night for them playing like huge minutes. And he was still scoring somehow too, on top of that. So you're, you're right. But so that, and the other thing with it too, is then the key with like drafting is you obviously can't draft all centers because you have to fill out wingers and, um, and D and everything. But when you're drafting wingers, it is strategic to get guys who are like flexed and who play both. So somebody like Yanni Gord, for example, is listed as a winger, but he plays center a lot of the time, Sam Reinhart, another example of a guy who pretty much splits 50, 50, where he'll go, you know, we'll say like six games in a row playing wing and then he'll play like three or four playing center. Um, so it's really interesting, but I am not to, uh, you know, not trying to talk shit or anything, but I am in first place right now, 11 and two on the season, made some, some key moves that have helped me get me there. And if it comes down to it, Taylor, and you get that last spot, oh, yeah. you're going to have a straight up Sabres playoff matchup. Wow. Well, in the first round. I'd, I'd love nothing more. I also would love nothing more. So, well, back to the, uh, the real hockey. We have the Dallas Stars on Thursday, and the Flyers are then coming to town on Saturday. Like I said, on Monday's show, they're both fairly mediocre teams. The Flyers are kind of in a free fall, actually. So maybe they'll be interesting to talk about on after we play them, what they're going to do going forward. So based on my quiz on that, uh, I'm not doing the format of quiz we've done in the past, Thank a different one. So the stars still have Jamie Ben on the team as they have for more than 10 years now. So a thing people, a weird trivia thing, Jamie Ben, one of the more anonymous Art Ross winners. Mm. He won the Art Ross with 87 points in 2014-15. So I think in, someday I tell someone that they might be like, that never happened. He didn't actually yeah. do that. So I thought my quiz would be, I'm going to read 10 Art Ross winners to you, and you tell me if they actually won or not in, in the given year. So I'm, I guess I'm not reading all Art Ross winners because I, I could be lying. So 
Wait, you tell uh, me if this guy actually won the Art Ross in this year. So wait, but are you going to do something where you're going to say like Evgeny Malkin in 2015 and he didn't actually win it in 2015? Or is it like... Right. Oh, man, that's so lame. Okay. Well, I'm just going to give you 10 Art Ross winners. You t- well, I'm going to give you 10 guys. I say they won the Art Ross. You say yes or no. Right, but is it going to be in a specific year, though, is what I'm Yeah. Asking. Yeah, yeah, the year. All right, so there are going to be instances where you're going to say a guy who actually won the Art Ross, but you're going to give me the incorrect year, and I have to tell you that? Um, is that going to happen? Probably, yeah. Lovely. Yeah, it's going to happen. So you got to oh. think hard about these years. you got to think about what stuff happened in what year. So let's okay. start off. We'll go in kind of uh, chronological order backwards. 2017-18, did Connor McDavid win the Art Ross when he scored 108 points? 2017-18. How many points? 108. Yes, because Kucherov is the next year, I think, right? You're correct on both counts. Yes, he did, and Kucherov was the next year. He didn't win MVP, though, in 2018. That went to someone I don't uh, care to talk about. (laughs) 2010-11. Did Corey Perry win the Art Ross with his 98 points? Yes. No, he won the Richard and he won the Hart Trophy, but Daniel Sedin won with uh, the Art Ross with his 104 points. Son of a bitch. I really, you know, and that was why I knew that was the MVP or so I was like, that may, it would make sense, but okay. Yeah. All right. 2008, 2009. Did Alex Ovechkin win the Art Ross with his 110 points? Yes. No, he bo- he also won the Richard and the Hart Trophy, but Evgeny Melkin had 113 points. Oh, not a good start. Not a good start. All right, 2003-2004, did Martin St. Louis win the Art Ross with his 94 points? 03-04 or 02-03? 03-04. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And he also, I believe, won the Hart Trophy. All right, uh, 2001-2002, did Jerome McGinley win the Art Ross with his 96 points? 102, yes. Yes, did not win the Hart Trophy because it went to Jose Theodore. Crazy, man. 98-99. Good for Jose. Yeah. 98-99, did Timu Solani win the Art Ross with his 107 points? 98-99, no. No, he didn't. A bonus point if I guess who who did win? Yes. I guess, sure. Yaromir? Yaromir Yager? Yes, he actually had 127 points. So he led by 20 points, but of course the the MVP is none other than uh, our beloved Dominic Kashuk. Oh, damn right. 93-94. Did Sergei Fedorov win the Art Ross with his uh, 120 points? 93. See, that's the thing with that is I, I'm probably wrong about this, but I don't even, did, did Fedorov ever even win an Art Ross? I don't, I'm going to say no. You are correct. It was Wayne Gretzky with 130 points. Did Fedorov ever win an Art Ross? He did not. Oh, that was okay. the closest he got. He was second place with 120. That was a good one, Taylor. That's that. <laughs> okay. Thanks. 91-92, did Mario Lemieux win the Art Ross with his 131 points? Mario Lemieux 
What year did you say? 91-92. Yeah. He did. He did. He did. It was his uh, second, I think. Anyway, the last three questions, you got them all right, because you might know one of my favorite stats. Between 1979 and 2002, no one won the Art Ross besides Lemieux, Gretzky, and Yager. So good to remember. That's why guys like Sergei Fedorov never did. What a concept. Crazy. 1978-79, did Brian Trottier win the Art Ross with his 134 points? 78-79? Yes. Uh, I want to say no, but why the hell not? Let's go yes. Yes, he did. That was the last guy to win it before that big streak. All right. 1970-71. Did Bobby Orr win the Art Ross with his 139 points as a defenseman? Yeah. No. Actually, that was the last one. Um. So you got seven of 10, but you got a bonus point. So that's eight of 10. So real quick, we'll end with a history lesson that I was fascinated by when I looked this up. Or had 139. The league leader was his teammate, Phil Esposito, at 152. Third place was John Busick, who had 116, also a Bruin. Fourth place was Ken Hodge with 105 points, also a Bruin. The highest non-Bruin was Bobby Hall, who had 95 points. Good God. Uh, right. Wait, so uh, how many were the top ones from, Bruin, from the Bruins then? Esposito, 152, Bobby Orr, 139, Johnny Busick, 116, Ken Hodge, 105. And then listen to this. Seventh place, Bruin Wayne Cashman, 79. Eighth place, Bruin John McKenzie, 77. Tenth place, Bruin John uh, Fred Stanfield, 76. So huh. seven, seven of the 11 guys in the league, or sorry, seven of the 10 guys in the league who had at least half the points as Esposito were his teammates. That is bananas that Bruins team went 57 14 and 7 scored 399 goals which was 108 more goals than the next closest team Montreal they had, had a plus, on the top right plus 102 goal differential and in some extremely hockey bullshit they lost to Montreal in the first round of the playoffs <laughs> in seven games but oh no a first round exit yeah listen to this oh though my god if you'd like to hear some more extremely NHL bullshit. So everyone, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but back in the day, original six, one division, top four teams make the playoffs. The NHL very stupidly doubled the size of the league at once, added six more teams in expansion, and then put them in their own division where the winner would face the winner of the other one in the Stanley Cup. After three straight Stanley Cup uh, sweeps, none of which were even close, they decided to change the format so that when the Sabres and Canucks came in, they would mix up the divisions. The divisions were a mix of expansion and traditional teams. So it's 14 teams and eight of them made the playoffs and their playoff format, Brendan divisional. You play the one seed plays the three and the two plays the four. Why? <laughs> Who has ever done playoffs like that? Zero, zero, zero cents. Yeah. It, it's it, so the Bruins had the best record in the league by like, 10 points they had to face montreal as a three seed who was actually kind of good meanwhile uh in the other division the trash north stars get to play the blues who are only kind of good as the four verse two and they get to move on and boston doesn't what a concept what a that league insane that why would you i don't get so it. as stupid as the playoff format i think is now that they do i don't really like it that format is it's uh 
upsetting. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, that's that's really weird. But at the same time, I kind of wish the NHL would uh, do what it did back then in terms of like looking at the game and being like, oh, maybe this isn't the best thing we can do and change it rather than just trying to shove stupid rules down our throat. Yeah. I'll at least give them credit for that. They eventually did change it, yeah, too. I, f- I forgot exactly what the deal was, but they expanded to 21 teams, and at one point they had 16 playoff teams out of 21. But I don't know what the format was. I think it was the top four of five in every division and then top four of six in whatever division had six teams. But bring back one through eight. Give me one through 16. Make it real oh. exciting. Let's get yeah. chaotic. Let's get chaotic and go one to 16. Mix up the conferences. Just do it. Well, you know what you could do? One through 32, you can do that now. Just do a giant tournament? Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, do that instead. Do like three-game series then <laughs> until you get down to like 16 and then just start the playoffs earlier. <laughs> well. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But <laughs> you get the point. yeah, do you have any recommendations for the folks? Do I have any recommendations? I recommend Jackson Mahomes picks up a hobby because he's going to need one after Sunday night <laughs> instead of being a TikTok fucking loser. Uh, yes, I would recommend watching the Bills game on Sunday and perhaps having a few beers if you uh, feel so inclined. Are, are we going to have beers together? I texted you, right? Oh yeah. You're gonna are we gonna are we gonna do that together? Should we record before or should we, should we record it like halftime? <laughs> With all no. of our friends over? Yeah. Um maybe we go before or, oh god, I don't know. I don't think we can because we can't record. Oh, fuck. How are we gonna do that, Taylor? We can't listeners, let us know what you think we should do. I don't think we can record before though. I'm not about to put out like a real optimistic episode on Monday and record beforehand if things go south. I, I can't do that. Well, then we wouldn't talk about the Bills in that case. We would just talk about the Sabres and then we wouldn't have to be optimistic. Mm, okay, that's probably fair. We'll save any Bills talk for when we record a week from today. All right, that sounds good. Uh, my, I think I'm going to do, a, a, let's see, who should my former Sabres player of the week be? I'm going to go with, hmm, I'm going to go with a, uh, a hero from the past, Maxima Fenegenov. Ooh, I like that. All right, I'm going to go with one of his teammates and uh, say Mr. Tim Connolly. Good stuff. Absolutely. Hey, you know uh, what else would be a good recommendation? What? For everybody listening right now to use DraftKings. Yes. Would a good recommendation be for me to read that ad? I think I think that'd be a really good one, actually. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, we're into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, if you haven't heard. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action in the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania, or New York only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, Taylor, it has just been a goddamn pleasure getting to chat with you about our beloved Buffalo Sabres on this wonderful Wednesday evening. At the time of everybody listening to this, the Sabres will be getting ready to take on the Dallas Stars at home at Key Bank Center. And before we sign off, I did want to add, uh, respond to one question that we had got posed on Twitter. We had a little bit of back and forth earlier about it. Um, and I think it's pretty interesting. So we were asked, what do you think happens first? The Sabres make the playoffs or Key Bank Center gets major upgrades. And this question came from Matt Scott, good friend of the pod, always interacting with us. Thanks for the question, Matt. But I think that's a, an interesting question because if you look at when, oh, excuse me. Um, if you look at major renovations for the Key Bank Center, I think we would probably all be in agreement that anything major, major wouldn't happen until after the Bills Stadium is completed. So by that token, if we're talking about the deal getting finalized this year, maybe they start construction at some point this year, I don't know how fast that would move, but let's say like three, four years is our time frame for when the stadium is going to be completed. Do you think that the Buffalo Sabres will make the playoffs? I guess maybe even a better way of putting it is, do you think the Sabres are going to make the playoffs before the new stadium is going to be complete? Yes. I mean, really? I have to think that. I would go insane if I didn't. Uh, yeah, you'd be looking at the 2024 range, right? For uh, yeah, the Sabres about. to make the playoffs. Give or take. So, the stadium, who knows? 26, maybe? If they don't make the playoffs by then, we're not going to be doing this podcast anymore. No, 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 no. I'll probably be dead by then if the Sabres don't make the pod or don't make the playoffs by then. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for that question, Matt. We really appreciate it. And as always, everybody, make sure you're interacting with us and following us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres, on Twitter at Straight Sabres. And again, make sure you're tweeting at us, even though we haven't done a mailbag in a little bit, maybe we'll do one soon. But regardless of that, if you're listening to us and we talk about something or we don't talk about something and you want to hear what our thoughts are, by all means, tweet it at us, comment, whatever it is, please do. We would very much appreciate it. We love answering your guys' questions while we're uh, recording here. So again, though, make sure you're following us on social media. Also make sure you're following the presenters of this podcast, both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on their respective social media platforms. Check out their websites. And make sure you're subscribed to them, their subsequent shows, including ours, of course, on whatever streaming platform you are currently listening to this podcast on. Once again, we'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. I'm telling you right now, you're going down. Jackson Mahomes, you loser. This has been straight up. Yeah, this has been straight up savers, everybody. Go Bills. Go Bills.